Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. This is God's word. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were baptized, uh, sorry, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will live with him also. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Have those verses handy because we're going to be dipping in and out for the next few moments. And uh, really what I want to try and do uh, for tw- 20 minutes or so, uh, oh, shouldn't have said that just in case it's a bit longer, but right, you know, ish 20 minutes, is to give a bit of a, a, a context of what's going to happen later on in the service towards the end in, in terms of the baptism. And so what I want to try and do is give a bit of an explanation about baptism and why we do what we do and where, where it comes from in Scripture. And uh, hopefully this is a good Sunday for you if you're new uh, with us, if maybe if you come from a different church background and you've never seen this kind of thing before, maybe you're just very uncertain about Christianity in general, this is a good Sunday um, because hopefully this will just uh, help to refresh and um, you know, help to articulate why we do what we do. And in these verses that we've just looked at here uh, from uh, the book of Ro- or the letter of Romans that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, uh, we can see three things that are particularly relevant for us this morning when it comes to baptism. Firstly, it shows us, number one, uh, baptism connects us with the past. Okay? The second thing it shows us is that baptism orients us to the future. And the third thing, you've guessed it, baptism impacts our present. Okay? So it connects us to the past, orientates us to the future, and it impacts the present. So first of all then, how does baptism connect us to the past? Well, we've got a few verses uh, in, the, in, these, in, these, in this uh, passage that, that point to what happens when we get baptized, what baptism sort of refers to. Uh, Paul says, for example, in verse 3, we were baptized into death. Uh, or in verse 4, we've been buried by baptism into death. Or in verse 6, the old self has been crucified with him, that is Jesus. Or in verse 8, it says we have died with Christ. Okay, so all these things taken together show us that baptism connects us to the past, to something that's happened before us. And I suppose the things to draw out at this stage is that baptism actually connects us. You know, it actually unites us somehow to what was done by Jesus in the past. Because it says, you've been baptized into death. All right? Or by baptism you have been buried. So, so already in these first few verses um, that we're looking at, there is something very significant with this thing called baptism, some power that it possesses that it can connect us somehow to what Jesus has done. It's very significant. And hopefully um, 
and you've already picked it up so far in our worship, that at the center of the Christian faith is a person called Jesus, who uh, was the expected Messiah. He was the chosen one uh, who, who God sent to come and save his people. He was the fulfillment of all the promises of God from all the ancients right up until the time when he came. He is himself God in the flesh, You know, we celebrate that at Christmas, right? When God comes uh, in the flesh as as one of us. And so the central person in the Christian faith also has a central act, something he does that everything else seems to articulate around. And that is by going to the cross, right? So the central person and the central act, going to the cross. He dies on the cross. We were just confessing that in the Apostles' Creed. But have you ever asked yourself, Um, no matter where you stand with Jesus and faith and all that, have you ever asked yourself how you actually access that thing that Jesus did on the cross all those years ago? Because it was an awful long time ago, right? Thousands, several thousand years ago, 2,000 years ago, plus or minus. How do we access that? How does that thing there help us now, today? Um, How is it significant for us? Well, Paul says... You access that through baptism because that connects you to Christ. All right? you, in, in verse 5, he uses this term united. It unites you to Christ. Where he used to be a separate person, he used to be a separate person. Paul seems to be saying that through baptism, it unites you to him. Does this therefore mean uh, that anybody this morning can just jump into that pool behind us and therefore be united to Christ by being uh, in, in that pool? Well, the answer, I'm afraid, is no, it doesn't. Um, because it requires faith. Um, Paul has just been uh, talking in the letter, in chapters 4 and chapters 5, of the letter to the Romans, how crucial, how fundamental, how important faith is. Faith is essential. Faith is needed to activate baptism, we could say. Um, Faith is fundamental. Faith is the thing that makes baptism highly significant. Uh, We could could think of faith as being the key that unlocks the riches of baptism. And if there's no faith, then the lock just remains shut. We see something similar um, from the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. You know, some people say that's the day when the church was born when, when, when Jesus had died and risen again and, and then sent his spirit about 50 days later and the spirit came upon the church in this remarkable and dramatic way to empower her for service and to, to bring her in, you know, as opposed to, to faith in Jesus. And, and so Peter got up, he preached this message. He, he said, Christ is the chosen one. You crucified him, he said to his, his listeners. Uh, but yet God raised him to life uh, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. From there he poured out this Holy Spirit that you yourselves hear, and the crowd were cut to the heart, and and they said with almost with one voice, what must we do? How can we respond? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Turn to Jesus and be baptized. Do both of those things, says Peter, and you will receive the promise. Okay, it's your inner faith and the outer sign of that faith, that outer expression of that obedience. Do both of those, says Peter. And they come together, they're almost like in a cluster. And they form the beginning of your relationship, your new life in Jesus. That's what you must do 
said Peter. Sometimes I think maybe, um, depending on what church background you're from, uh, we, we, can, we can find uh, that people exist uh, at different poles when it comes to faith and baptism. You know, two extremes, maybe. And just for the sake of argument, let me uh, dis- describe what I mean. Perhaps we could describe those... Um, I'm not pointing at you, by the way, Jordan. Oh, on this side over here, uh, maybe those sort of from more of an uh, evangelical or a fundamentalist background that would emphasize faith, faith only. Faith is all you need. And, and, and we cheer that on. We say, yes, that's totally right, faith. But sometimes when we uh, emphasize faith only, it results in a, perhaps a downgrade in the importance and the riches and the gift of baptism. And this kind of thinking would say, well, have us sort of believe, I suppose, that the faith is all you need, but baptism is not really required. It's not really essential. It's maybe something you can get to when you're like a grade A Christian, you know, down the line. That's, that's often what can happen. But then on the other side of, of the, uh, the extreme, I suppose, is what we could maybe describe sacramental, sacramental types, the sacramental churches. Uh, sacramental Christians who would maybe emphasize the act itself. And the act itself has power, they would say. And, and as long as you go through the act, you know, they sort of de-emphasize the faith aspect. You don't have to really have faith. It would be good if you did, but the, the main thing is the symbol, it's the act. That's got power. And unfortunately, that sort of attitude or that sort of approach, um, as, 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 as good as it might be when it looks at a, a baptism, it results in a de-emphasis on the role of faith. And so baptism, in this approach, can become a bit of an empty sign, a thing you do. Uh, get dunked, get sprinkled, whatever method it is, you know, just get wet, and then you're good with God. But as you can probably see, without faith, it, it can mislead people into thinking they're good with God. When Paul already shows us it's faith, that has to be a key part of us. But according to Paul, as we said, according to Peter, according to the book of Acts, the early church, it's both faith and baptism. So let's just flesh this out for, for a little bit then um, uh, in terms of the teaching that we can see here from Paul. If it's faith and baptism, it's, he says that we are therefore united with Jesus. United with Jesus. Okay, not just friends with, not just knowing about, united with Jesus. And that has implications. Just imagine for a moment the implications that has when we are truly, spiritually, fundamentally united with Jesus. When that happens... What happened to Jesus happens also to you when you're united with him. What happens to Jesus happens to you. That's why he can say, you have died with Christ. Because you're united to him. What happened to him happened to you. So he says in verse 7, for example, you know, by way of application, you have therefore been set free from sin. You've been set free from it. Or he says in verse 6, you're no longer enslaved to sin because you've died with Christ. And Paul takes sin here as this sort of, this power over you that owns you, that rules you, that masters you, that the, the guides your heart and your mind and your, your money and your actions and your thoughts, all that. He's, it, sin has got you and, you. and you can't do anything else to help yourself. But he says, when you are united to Jesus through faith and through baptism, Sin's power over you is broken because what happened to him happened to you. You're no longer trapped under that cloak, that blanket, that that weight of sin, says Paul. 
You are therefore released from your sin. You are freed. We've been singing that already. Free at last. He has ransomed me. Before you had no options. Right? You were stuck. But now, says Paul, because you've been united with Christ through faith and baptism, you have been set free. Do you know what that means? If that's you, that means that your past mistakes, whatever they are, whatever they are, are no longer counted against you. That's what it means. It means that your former inability to do anything to please God on your own steam has been removed. It means now you have a power to do what is right and do what is good and what is glorifying and wonderful in his sight. It means that you can now please God. You can know his favor. That's what it means. It means that you now have a power and ability in you to be able to say no to darkness, no to sin, to push that stuff back and to show the goodness of God in your life, in your relationships. You can do that. And Paul says through faith and baptism, that is yours. So baptism connects us to the past. We've seen that that thing that Jesus did. But then the flip side of the coin, and this is glorious, wonderful. Baptism orientates us to the future. Right? Yes, release from sin. Yes, freedom from its controlling power. That is yours now in Christ Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. But there is this future element as well that Paul brings out in these verses that is deeply tied to baptism. He says in verse 5, let me see it. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, listen to this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Just let that sink in for a moment, what Paul is actually saying. In other words, he says in verse 8, you have died with Christ Therefore, we will also live with Christ. Okay, or in verse 4, he says, Christ was raised, uh, to, to, where is it? Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. And through your connection, through your union with Jesus, that will happen to you too. What happened to him happened to you. That's the point here. That's what baptism does. It orientates us to the future. I think um, it's clear to say as well in these first few verses here that, that this imagery of baptism that, that Paul is drawing on is the image of the grave, right? the place where you put dead bodies. It's the imagery of the grave, baptized into death, buried in, you know, in Christ, all this stuff. And it's just great that we've been able to come to Clarawood Church this morning to borrow their, their building, um, because they have this tank behind you, this pool, um, so that we can do, uh, it's a proper tank, yeah, we can do baptism. And I, I don't wish to, in any way, by saying that, to demean other traditions or other forms of baptism, not at all. But I just think that perhaps other forms cannot reflect the fullness of the meaning that we see here in Romans 6 when it comes to baptism. Because there is a reason why we do full body immersion here at the church and, and, and many others like us as well because it says here that baptism is a kind of burial. You're going into the grave just like Jesus went into the grave. That's what's happening here. 
In fact, I've heard of other churches that purposely shape their baptism tank, not like a nice rectangle like this one, but like a, a coffin, that people actually get dumped into the coffin. It's, it's weird, but you, you, you can't escape the imagery there. Death. But yet it's glorious. Is it, is it not glorious? That because Jesus was lowered into the grave in death, he also rose from the grave in newness of life. And so just what Jesus did happens to the people who are being baptized. That's what baptism is all about. It's orientating us to the future. You died with Christ, you will one day climb out of the grave. This is the great hope, is it not, of the Christian faith. That because Jesus rose, death is not the end. Death has been defeated. Verse 9 says, Death no longer has dominion over him, that is Jesus. Death no longer has a control over him. No longer has power over him. Even death has been defeated. And it says that we've been not only set free from sin, we've seen that in the first bit, but here it's saying we're set free from death as well. And because of Jesus, we are allowed to look beyond death and hope and dream for what lies ahead for us. And baptism, if anything else, is a declaration. It is people saying, the thing itself is saying, there is more. Death has been defeated, it says. We will share a resurrection with Jesus. That's what this says. There's so much wrong in our world. We, we know that. We know that. Every, stands to reason. Sickness. In all its forms. Sorrow. Loss. It's all around us, all right? It happens to us. We know that. Failing bodies, fragile minds, even death itself will happen to each of us in some form or other. And so more often than not, we as a people can live in fear of that thing that's going to happen in the future. We don't want to talk about it. All right, we do all we can to minimize it or distract ourselves from our busyness or other activities in life, what have you. But it's there. We think, oh, let's just live for the moment. But we, we know, don't we, that that masks that underlying despair of what will happen. And so we get it. There's much that, to be defeated about in our world. It's kind of overwhelming as well. It's everywhere. It stinks. But this is the good news, is it not? That because Christ rose we also shall rise, that there is a life beyond the grave. Uh, Jesus, when he died and rose again, he appeared to his disciples, clumps of them at a time, ones and twos, twelves. Even at one time, Jesus appeared to 500 at once. This is no mass hallucination. It was spaced out over a number of weeks. And those disciples, particularly the 12 apostles, and, and many others too, gave their lives in order to tell the message that Jesus is alive. No one dies for a made-up story. And so every baptism that is ever done from the day of Christ and his apostles until today, every baptism repeats their message. Death is finished. He has done it. Tells us the past. Baptism orients us to the future. And so thirdly and finally, baptism impacts our present. Now. Because we don't live in the past. Some people do. We try to, right? But so we don't live in the past. Uh, we, we, 
Don't live in the future. We live here and now. It's not that those things are irrelevant, by the way, not just nice ideas that we can hang on to. In fact, far from it. The, the, the fact that in the past you have, through your union with Jesus, been released from your sin impacts now. Uh, the fact that you have a future hope uh, of life in Jesus impacts you now. And this is Paul's point, right, in Romans 6 overall. This is his argument. And it's both summarized and confirmed through baptism. If you are baptized into Christ Jesus, it affects how you live now. Okay, if you have died to sin, because baptism connects you to the past, he says, how can you live in it? You've died to sin, you've died to your old ways. How can you live in a way that brings that into question? The the work of Christ has freed you from the power of sin and that makes a difference in your life now. That's why he says in verse 11, consider yourselves dead to sin. He's saying constantly be reminded that your old ways, your old life, the old you has gone. It was nailed to the cross. Or you died with Christ. That has been killed off. It is gone. Because baptism connects you to the past. You died with Christ that day. You were freed from sin. So act like it. Likewise, he says in verse 4, Christ, uh, who was raised by the glory uh, of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We too might walk in the newness of life. Not that we will walk in newness of life that day when we end up in heaven or or whatever way that looks. We will walk now in newness of life because of that thing in the future that we are shooting for, the glory of God being raised from the, you know, raising us from the dead. And so what Paul is saying here is not only the past will bear uh, its weight on how you live now, but the the hope of the future will also bear weight on how you live now. The resurrection life that that Jesus has has purchased for you and is sharing with you, you will see that coming out in you now. So Paul says start to live it too. That's why baptism impacts the present. Paul is effectively telling the church here, remember your baptism no matter when it was in your life. Remember it. Let it remind you of the past. Let it point you towards the future. Let it shape you now. Let's just think of a few more ways this might work for us today. Uh, Because baptism connects us to the past, that means that any guilt that you might have about your past mistakes is nothing in the eyes of God. Any guilt that you might have about your past mistakes will fade away, should fade away. God has dealt with it, whatever it is. Stop feeling guilty about that thing that maybe no one else knows about. Because you're united with Jesus, you have been forgiven. You've been set free. You've been released. No more guilt. Maybe even that sense that God is somehow displeased with you and you're just working so hard to try and do good things for God. Because, because baptism connects you with that perfect, wonderful, glorious thing that Jesus did on your behalf. Of course God is pleased with you. He looks at his son. He is utterly pleased with you. Stop working so hard to earn his pleasure. You have it, you have it, you have it. 
When you're driven to live for yourself, instead because of your faith and baptism, you, that will be replaced by a desire to live for God, please for him. When you look at God uh, and you see what he's done by giving his son, he hasn't withheld anything to win you to himself, then you will say in return, how can I withhold anything from God? Look at what he gave to, to save me. How can I withhold any part of my life from him? Even if you're struggling, currently struggling, and battling against remaining sin in your life, that alone is evidence of God's favor, God's grace in your life. That is evidence that you understand that baptism has connected you with the past. Baptism orientates you to the future. We've seen this already. Whether you have that piece of bad news given to you, bad diagnosis, perhaps, and whether you deal with loss, either personal loss in some form or other, relational loss, loss of a loved one, because of this hope we have for the future, we deal with loss and sorrow differently. Yes, there will be sorrow, of course. Yes, there will be sadness. Yes, all of those things. And yet, because of what Jesus has done, there will be an element of hope breaking in. Some resilience. Because you understand the baptism orientates you to the future, you will say the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in me. And so that will change the way that we see the world around us. You will see with fresher vision about what God can do and what he wants to do through you and in you and with you. Baptism impacts the present. Just imagine enclosing belonging to a community of people for whom this is true. A community of people who who, have been built around a shared freedom of the past and a shared focus on the future. A community of people that has Christ in the center. A community of people that are busy pressing in the fact that baptism connects you to the past and it orientates you to the future. Busy pressing that reality into one another. A community of people that are hungry for God, that are full of vision and passion uh, in what he wants to do in our time, in our place. Well, such a community is possible is called the church. That's what God is, is doing among us here at Foundation Church as one expression of his wonderful church. And so I would say to you this morning, if you're not connected to any church, um, we, we would love to invite you to take, take part, to come back, to, to, to walk with us, uh, just to, to look in from the outside, get to know us, put your roots down. And maybe even for you that will mean embracing baptism and belonging. In a few moments' time, we're going to watch these three uh, brave individuals taking steps to unite their faith and their obedience uh, in Jesus as they come to be baptized. Uh, but in closing, I just want to encourage you, if, if you are somebody who has already been baptized in the past, I want to remind you that this is your baptism too. Okay, you're not, I'm not inviting you to come in, but this is something that we have shared as a church and the church of all the ages. And so allow this then to stoke fresh affections in your heart for Jesus when you see what these, these people going down to this watery grave and coming back up into newness of life, when you see what God has done and what he will do, what happened to him, 
happens to you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of baptism. And it is a gift. It strengthens our faith. It confirms it. It demonstrates it. It declares it to the watching world. What a wonderful thing it is. And thank you that we get to do this together here as your people at Foundation Church Belfast and many visitors as well from outside. We thank you. Father God, we thank you for the work of Jesus in the past. We thank you for the hope of new life with him because he rose from the grave in the future. Help us, Lord, as people, as your people, to be deeply impacted by those two things that have happened. And as we see that being expressed and fleshed out in a few moments through baptism, strengthen our resolve to live for Jesus, strengthen our love for Jesus, strengthen our awareness of what he's done for us. Our ultimate hope lies in him, not us, not ourselves, not our career, not our family, not, not even these wonderful gifts that you give us. It relies only upon Jesus. So stoke our faith, we pray. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.